Well, I'm on my way to heaven, and the journey gets sweeter every day. I'm walking with Jesus, walking with Jesus, all along the way. My soul gets so happy as I shout and I sing. the truth amen we got a place we're going to we have a destination and it doesn't get more and more bitter it gets sweeter the closer we get the better it gets amen I want to say welcome to the house of the Lord this morning I certainly appreciate being together with each one of you love you all with all my heart and just look over the congregation and think how wonderful it is to be able to gather together like this with saints of like precious faith Amen. Thank you for the specials today. Everyone that's saying, God bless you. God bless you, brother. And appreciated that. And God will make this trial a blessing. Amen. I love that song, and it's always precious. Because we're all going through something. Either you're lying to yourself, or you're doing something wrong if you've never been through a trial. <laughs> we all go through trials. But the key is to look for the blessing in the middle of it and say, Lord, what are you trying to do here? What's the point of going through this? God's got a reason. Amen. I believe we heard that on Wednesday night so well. So appreciate the service on Wednesday, Brother Cadre, and last Sunday, Brother Max, and Brother Ed spoke as well in the morning. How good God is to us. Amen. 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 Let's just bow our heads together. If you have a need on your heart, you want to say, I want the Lord to come speak to me this morning. Why don't you just show it to the Lord? And Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, how we love you, Lord. And Lord, there is none like you. No one can touch our hearts like you do, Lord. Father, there's that simple chorus we sing from time to time that we could search the whole world over, Lord, and we just come up short knowing there's no one like you, Lord. Father, we're so thankful, Lord, that we found the pearl of great price. 
Lord, that we could sell all that we have, Lord, and all the cares of life and the things of this world, Lord, it doesn't amount to anything, Lord, in comparison to the value of this pearl, Lord. And Father, we're so thankful, Lord, that you called us, for truly no man has sought God but you called us, Lord. You chose us. No man could come to you except the Father draw him first. Lord, I ask, Lord, that you just come and woo us a little closer. Help us to step a little higher tonight in this journey, Lord. Father, that we take another step closer to you. Come and meet every need, I pray. Lord Jesus, that we come into one mind and one accord this morning. Lord, forget about what's going on around us, Lord Jesus, and just be focused in on the word that you'd speak to our hearts, Lord. Father, I just need you to come and have the preeminence and take control now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Let's just take our Bibles together. If you turn with me to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12. Just while you're turning there, I'll just make a short announcement just in regards to the ongoing uh, construction around the church. We have been notified by the city that they will be this Tuesday for about a week either shutting down or majorly restricting 92nd Ave east of 156. So that'd be east of 156. So if that affects your journey coming into the tabernacle, just be wary of that and mindful. We'll do our best to cooperate. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I want to, maybe this morning, if, if you don't like quotes, I apologize. I, I have maybe do a little bit more of a teaching style of service, and we're going to focus a lot more on quotes this morning, and just not a lot of scriptures, but a lot of quotes. So, But... Uh, We'll just seek the mind of the Lord in that, and I, I trust you'll just stay with me, and, and uh, maybe it won't be the most dynamic, but we've had a lot of dynamic preaching, and it's been good. So I'm just asking you this morning, just stay with me. Don't fall asleep, please. I'll try not to be dry or monotone, but just stay with it. All right, amen. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is the accept good, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Verse 3 says this, it says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Amen. Quite often if you think that way, if you think soberly, whatever's preached over the pulpit, whether it be cutting, whether it be rejoicing, it causes you to reflect inward. Say, Lord, how does this apply to me? Instead of trying to take a pitchfork, well, that, that deals with this person, that deals with that person. No, Lord, what about me? I believe you speak into each one of us, myself included, in every service. Amen. And let's just turn to Colossians chapter 1. I apologize to keep you standing so long, but I will also be standing very long. So Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9.
It says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us unto the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins." Amen. We could read it all, but for the sake of time, let's jump down to verse 20. It says, And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And Brother Branham would say, Now watch where this reconciliation goes. He says, And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If you continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven. Wherefore, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister." Stay with me. Let's jump down to verse 27 as well. It says, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man. Well, it doesn't sound like much of a warning, but it is. We preach Christ, warning every man. And he says, and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labor striving according to the working which worketh in me mightily. Let's just turn over to chapter 2 and verse 5 as well. It says this, it says, for though I, I be absent in the flesh... Yet I am with you in the Spirit. He starts out in chapter 2 where he starts out by saying that uh, I have a great conflict for you and for them at Laodicea. And he says, though I'm not with you in flesh, I'm with you in spirit. Joying and beholding your order and steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Amen. May the Lord as blessing to the word. You may have your seats. Amen. I want to just start out, and I'll take for a title. It would be part three of the of the title I've been taking on footsteps, and we'll call it walking worthy or to walk worthy. And, and I want to just take with these scriptures, as, as I said, and maybe start out in this way. But faith, Brother Branham would say, faith is like a ladder. 
Faith is like a ladder. You have to climb up this ladder. God has a ladder. It's written up in the scriptures. You can turn to Genesis chapter 28 as we'll get there shortly. But in Genesis 28, it would talk about a ladder. But I want to say as we we, we go into this in in Colossians chapter 2, Paul begins to talk about, he says, rooted and built up in him. In order to build up something, there has to be a root, a foundation to it. It can't just be something that you see. And every great tree that you, you could look at and you could see uh, a great, magnificent tree that would ha- perhaps provide a lot of shade, perhaps would provide uh, food, perhaps would provide a lot of lumber if you're a carpenter, that you would look at it in that way and you would think what could be made out of that tree. But that tree didn't just start as a giant tree. It started as a little sapling and before it could grow, it had to put roots down. It had to be very careful. If you've ever planted a tree, you'll know that it's, you have to be very careful in how you handle the, the ball of roots. You don't just throw it in the ground and it is what it is. You've got to break up the roots a little bit. You've got to encourage them to grow into the ground that you're planting in. They can't just stay as a little ball that came in the pot. The roots have to go down into the ground and to provide stability before anything can grow up above that. Before it could ever be something great and something to behold and something to look at, there has to be something unseen that anchors it down before the scene can manifest itself. And as a ladder, as we could look at a ladder in a few minutes here, that, that, that uh, a ladder has two ends to it. There's, there's a ladder isn't meant to just lay on the ground. It's meant to climb somewhere. It's meant to reach a height. It's meant to get some, somewhere. But you don't start on the top, though there is a top, and that's one end. It starts down at the bottom. Amen. And maybe we could just go there right now to Genesis chapter 28, and we read about Jacob's ladder. In Genesis chapter 28 and verse 12, says, And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set on the earth. And behold, it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascended and descended on it. And behold, the Lord stood, up, stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father and the God of Isaac and the land which thou, whereon thou liest. To thee will I give it, and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all Keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place. This is none other but the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Amen. In the very, just to, as I said, we just want to teach a little bit this morning if we, if we could, but the very word ladder comes from a Hebrew word which means to raise up. It even means to make plain, which seems very um, different, but to make something plain if you ever have gone up on a rooftop, if you've ever set up a ladder, as long as you're standing on the ground, you're speculating what's up there. It's a question. You're expecting to find certain things, but it's not made plain to you. 
but a ladder is something that makes it plain to you. When you climb up there and you see it for yourself and you rise up to that level and you begin to see what you could not see before, it makes something plain. And then Jacob, as we know, and, 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 if you, and, and the ladder, I'll say about a ladder, the higher you rise on God's ladder of faith, the more the word is made plain to you. And the more distant the earthbound becomes, the greater and the, the more revelation you can get, the higher you climb into heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And at the same time, if you're really climbing and it's not head knowledge, then the more distant the world becomes, the more pungent it becomes. You don't want anything to do with it anymore because you've climbed higher. If you've ever climbed an extension ladder, forgive me for just belaboring on it, but if you've ever climbed up that high, when you get close to the top of a 38 or 40 foot ladder, you don't look down and think, I think I'll jump. It's not a thought that crosses your mind, but rather the thought that crosses your mind is I hope the ladder's anchored right. <laughs> I would hate for it to slip at this moment. I would hate to have to end up back down there again. And if you've really climbed the ladder of God's word and you've gotten up that high, you don't look down at the world and say, that looks appealing to me. It doesn't look that way. It looks like, Lord, I hope this is anchored right because I don't want to ever go there again. But Jacob, when Jacob got in this place, as we read, and it, it, when Jacob uh, seen this, this dream, that, that, that it, was, it was an affirmation of the covenant that was given to Abraham. God now makes it new with, with Jacob. And he begins to, to reiterate the covenant. I'll be with you and I'll be with your seed and I'll bless you and all the families of the earth will be blessed by you. And oh, it's a wonderful thing. You think that would be a time of rejoicing. But the presence of God was so great there that when Jacob awoke, he said, it was a dreadful place. It's the difference right there between the blessings of God and the presence of God. And I'm going to ask you this morning, what do you want for a church? To come into the house of God, would it be a place that you say, we just come and we could just rejoice and we could just have a wonderful time and the blessings of God be poured out? Those things are good. But when the word of the Lord comes forth in the presence of God, we want it in such a way, I believe, that we could come and we would hallow this place. That we would say, this surely is the house of the Lord because it is a dreadful place to come to. Oh my. Brother Branham says in the message, the infallibility of God's spoken word he says, we take Jacob and he lays, he took, we took Jake Jacob and he lays down and God shuts him off. I love the way he says this. He says, gives him into a coma of a vision. Oh my, God put someone in a coma right there to give him a vision and God woke him back out of it. But anyways, he looked up and he saw a ladder fastened up in heaven to God's throne that reached all the way to the earth. And the angels ascended and descended on the ladder up and down. And now all through the years we find out that this was a beautiful promise here. That God had promised a way of escape. A ladder to climb on. A sure foundation. God has promised it. But it was hooked in glory to the throne of God. Think of it. It says God was at the top of it. Looking down saying, I am the God of Abraham. I am that I am. Oh my. And he begins, he says, he's hooked right there at the throne of God. He says, but where could he find a place on earth to hook it to? 
He tried to hook it one time upon the Jewish nation. He found out he couldn't do it. He knew that he was going to do all the time because he promised the seed. And the seed was in Jacob then. And he couldn't hook it on Jacob, the supplanter. Neither could he hook it on Abraham. Little fellow setting out there backslid, little shyster lying, treating his wife that way. He couldn't hook it on that. He couldn't hook it on many of these other things. He couldn't hook it on the temple. Jesus said there'd be a time when there won't be one stone left upon another. He tried it on a patriarch, David. He took Bathsheba for a wife, Uriah. He had him killed. See, everything that he tried to hook it to, it just wouldn't anchor. And it's the same thing today. He won't hook it on a man. He won't hook it on a ministry. He won't hook it to a certain church. He always says, oh, hallelujah. But the prophet said, there'll be a stone laid in Zion. A precious stone, a tried stone, that'll be an anchor. Yes, a wonderful stone. And then God, being God in heaven, with the ladder hooked onto his throne, he hooked it also to none other than the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. God wanted his, didn't want his ladder slipping around. Hallelujah. He tried to hook it to a covenant with Adam, but he broke it. But God made a covenant unconditionally. He hooked it to Jesus Christ. There it's anchored. There's no slipping. There's no sliding. There's no way of getting away. What is it? It's hooked by God above and by the Son of God beneath. What is it? It's a pathway. It's a traveler's way from earth to glory. And you can't fail. Look, there's great companies of angels up and down there. Ascending and descending, picking up the weary and the sick and healing their bodies and showing them visions and mighty signs and wonders. Can't fail. It can't slip. It can't slide. You're safe. God said so. That settles it forever. Hallelujah. He's hooked around the heart of God in heaven, hooked around the Son of God down here, and we're brought into it. Through the Son of God, we ascend to him. Oh my, he says, what are you scared about then? Our promise is hooked between God and Christ, and we're in between them with angels. Hallelujah. Then he says, he will give his angels charge over thee. And the angels of God are encamped about them that fear him. Amen. That he took this great ladder that he showed Jacob to. He hooked his end right to his throne. Something that is eternal. It cannot fail. It will never pass away. And he took the other end of it and he said, I can't find anything on earth. So he came down and he anchored it himself right down on earth as the chief cornerstone that he laid in a bride in Zion. Oh, praise be to God. He did anchor it in a people, but not in the fallibility of a people, but in the infallibility of his word in a people. Hallelujah. Let me take a step back now. Brother Brown starts the message, which is a foundational message in the, in, in the message, which is Christ is the mystery of God revealed. He says, if you ever fail, come back to this message. And before he evens getting to the scripture, he begins to admonish the people with these words, and I'll just read it to you. He says, now, he says, you've got tapes on what we believe. You've got tapes on discipline in the church how we behave ourselves in the church of God. 
and how we got to come together and sit in heavenly places. Listen, he's about to start a message. If you ever fail, come back to this message. And these are the next verses. Don't stay home. He says, if God is in your heart, you can't hardly wait for them doors to open out yonder to get in here to fellowship with your brothers. If you don't feel that way, then I tell you, it's time you got to praying. He says, because we're in the last days and the Bible exhorted us to say much more when we see the day approaching to love one another with Christian love and divine love to assemble ourselves together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and love one another. And by this will all men know you're my disciples when you have a love one for another. That's right. Stay right together. Hallelujah. In the very next paragraph, he says this. He says, if the brother... You think he's a little wrong. Or the sister. He says, you say, Lord, don't let me never have a root of bitterness spring up. Notice, he doesn't say if they're wrong. He says, if you think they're wrong. If you don't agree with what was done You pray, don't let me get a root of bitterness spring up in my life. Because he begins to talk about the effects of it. He says, it will affect him. He says, it'll take Christ right out of my life. That poison acids of malice and jealousy and hatred, that will take the Holy Spirit right away from you. Oh my, it will run him from the tabernacle here. It'll kill the spirit of God or drive it away from here and hurt your pastor. It'll do everything. See, don't you do that. Oh my, so even he says if the devil puts a thought in your mind that you think that brother or that sister is wrong, how could they? He says, don't let that become a root of bitterness. Get on your knees and pray for that person because allow God to move because if you harbor that thought, you'll drive the Holy Spirit not just from you but from the church. It'll hurt your pastor. Why? Because your pastor's trying to labor with you, labor with you, get you to a place where you can receive the word, and he's trying and trying, and he's hurting him because something's stopping it. If there's a root of bitterness in there. Oh, my. He begins to instruct us in this way. Don't fester with those things. Don't let it creep in. Get those thoughts out right quick. Oh my, those things will drive the Spirit of God from you. He says in Christ the Mystery God Revealed later on, paragraph 227, he says, I don't say, he says, where there's going to be just eight saved now. He says, now, now don't you just, don't get me wrong, I never said that. He says, I don't know how many it's going to be. He says, but that's going to be saved, it's going to be there in the last moment, that raptured little group. He says, but it'll be a small group. I'll tell you that. For straight is the gate and narrow is the way, and few there'll be that find it. What did Jacob say when Jacob saw that ladder? He said, this is the very gate to heaven. This is not a broad way. This, he says, it's a ladder. 
It's narrow. It's not something. He says, there's angels up there going up and down. They'll help you up and down. But it's a narrow way. It's a straight way. It's a water way. It takes God to come into your life. It takes the word to raise you higher into heavenly places. It takes all these things. But he said, this is the gate. And Brother Benham says, it'll be a small group. Because narrow is the way. He says, but when the great ransom body through all ages comes up, then that's going to be a great throne there. He says, Revelation 7 expresses it, great number that no man can number through all the ages has come up and that's walked in the light of the Bible as far as it was revealed to them. Oh, praise be to God that there was a bride under Irenaeus. That, that I was a bride under as far as that could go. And there was a bride under Luther that was as far as that bride could go. But today we've got greater revelation. And you can't go back and say, but I believe this far. And I think it's only this far. And I think it's only this much. You've got to believe for the light of the hour in order to be included in that little group for that day. He says, listen, that walked in the light of the Bible as far as they were, it was revealed to them. He says, now we know that Wesley had more light than Luther and so on. He says, because it just gradually let loose. As it did through the prophets and so forth, till it was perfectly made known the Godhead bodily in Christ. Oh my, such a little group that will receive it. It'll be that little predestinated group that'll be raptured out. Because the new birth is only for the elect lady. The Holy Spirit is poured out upon all flesh. The just and the unjust, they rejoice. They got gifts. They got great things. But it didn't birth the cocklebur. He was always a cocklebur. It didn't give a pig a lamb nature. He was always a pig. But it was to the little lambs. It was to the little wheat seed. They rejoiced and they rose up just like every weed rose up. Oh my, but what happened? He was looking for that seed to come back and produce the original seed again. It's only for them. Many will have the Holy Spirit, but only the elect will receive it in their souls. It says, now God's secret mystery he says, before the world began, this is right after he reads in Colossians in Christ is the mystery. He begins to go into this and he says, takes it right back to Genesis, right back before the world was formed. And he says, now back in the back part of God's mind, there was something he was trying and was going to achieve. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's not just a trier. When he starts something, he finishes it. Amen. He's going to achieve it. He had a motive in doing it in order to let himself be expressed. It wasn't to let Andrew Dodd be expressed. It wasn't to let you be expressed, but to let himself be expressed. It wasn't so Mary and Joseph could express how you ought to raise a child. No, it was himself being expressed in Jesus Christ. It says, but first... 
There was there wasn't even a moon. There was or yeah, there wasn't even a moon. There wasn't star, atom, molecule, or anything that. But he was he was God, and he says, and he wasn't even exactly God at that time because God is an object of worship. But there wasn't nothing to worship him. So in his great mind, he wanted these attributes to be expressed. And in him was love, and in him was to be a father, and in him was to be a son, and in him was to be a savior, and in him was to be a healer. And all these great attributes that we see already expressed, they were in God. Hallelujah. All of these things were there, and God desired to have an expression of himself in every age. So that it started out so that Jesus was the fullness of God, that it pleased God, that in him should all the fullness dwell, that in him was the fullness of God, begin to dwell bodily, bodily, the fullness of the Godhead, and here he was on earth. But that wasn't the end of the work. But it says that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, because God desired to be a father, and he said to replenish and to multiply. So God didn't go down and say, well, I'm going to have an only child. Hallelujah. I'm going to have more than one. This is just the first. This is just the one that's coming to perfection, to be a wave sheaf over the rest, so that the rest could come into his image, so that he could come into them and they could live the very life of Christ out through them. But what was it? It wasn't just individuals like you and I, because there had to be an attribute. Of God. There had to be, you had to be in the mind of God before He could ever put His mind in you. Before He could ever show you the and prove through you what is the good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God, you had to be in His will in the beginning. Hallelujah. That, That new birth, it's for the elect. I want to turn here for a moment because I want to deal with you as, as the elect lady and as born-again Christians. Brother Branham would say in the message, demonology, and he would say right away in there, he'd say, many times you see a person maybe of insanity. He says, now, they may yet be a converted person filled with the Holy Spirit and yet be totally insane. See, that's right. That's nothing to do with the soul. It's a tormentor. See? Something that torments them. Listen, someone can really be full of the Holy Ghost and be totally insane in their mind. Whoa. So then, then, then where does that put it? It should be so easy for us to tell, oh, that one's born again and that one's not, and that one's born again and that one's not. But he says someone could be absolutely born again and be totally insane. Be full of the Holy Ghost. And be totally, how is that even possible? Because the devil is a tormentor. And the greatest battle that was ever fought isn't fought in the soul. It's fought in the mind. That's Satan because when you've got something in the control tower that's heavenly and is anchored in eternity and is seeking and desiring something above and you put that seed of God and that that Holy Spirit into a, a circumstance, into a situation where the Satan is tormenting and tormenting and tormenting, it's enough to drive you insane. 
But it takes the grace of God. Because Brother Bradley says we don't climb this ladder by our own will. We climb this ladder through Christ. That we got to take another step higher. This is why it's so important when he says, don't stay home. Don't stay out of the house of God. you got to gather yourself the more so together because we're living in an age of mental battles. We're living in an age where the, the, the devil has, has got spirits that he's not looking at and saying, you know, we don't have great healing services where we all come together anymore. And this one's got tuberculosis and cancers and all these things. Those things are still among us and we still pray and God still delivers. But I can guarantee you each one of you is battling something. And he desires to put scars in your mind and to put battles in your spirit that will tear you down and drive you to a place where you begin to think, I'm not born again. Where you might have had an experience with God and we're going to deal with experiences in a minute if there's enough time because we recognize your experience first has to be according to the word of God. If you're coming and saying, well, Brother Andrew, I'm born again, but your life doesn't line up. I'm not talking about going and being totally insane. I'm talking about your love is still in the things of the world. Then you have an issue there where your confession is way up here, but you're way down here. Because Romans chapter 8 and verse 18 says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now we look at that and we often want to look at that in a way and say, well, listen, then our sufferings aren't, are, are just, we should just be like, these are nothing. No, that doesn't diminish the hardships you're going through. It doesn't diminish the, the hardness of the trials that you're facing. That they're hard. That they sometimes drive you to tears and drive you to your knees. And they put you in a place where all of a sudden you snap and you say something that you've got to go back to God and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I don't know why I said that. I was pushed and I was pressured and there was such a pressure. I mean, Brother Brown, we go into example after example after example. Where Brother Brown was pressured by the taxman until finally snap, told his wife, tell him I'm out. And he ran out the back door and the angels wasn't pleased with that and wouldn't answer his prayer until he went and repented of it. My, even a prophet of God and a prophet of God that was filled with the Holy Ghost and he come down and he says, I was contemplating suicide. A prophet of God. Why? Because a man that's so full of the Holy Ghost but still could be driven totally insane by the pressures of life. But he says, but the glory that's to be revealed in you is so great that it will diminish these sufferings so much till they won't even seem, no matter how hard they are, they won't even seem to be worthy to be counted in the same sentence as that glory. And the mystery is that it's Christ in you, the hope of that glory. So in other words, it's not just something that's coming way off, but it's already starting. It's already coming to fruition, to manifestation, as this glory of God is being revealed in a many-membered body. Oh my. It's not just glory way off, but it's something that you look at and you begin to realize. I'm going through this trial, but look what God pulled me from. I've got battles that I'm facing. I've got battles ahead of me that they're terrible and this devil is tormenting me, but look at what I've overcome. But look at the glory, look at what I once was, and I'm not who I once was. God has already changed me from glory into glory. He's changing me. Hallelujah. Let's walk worthy. 
and pleasing to God then. In spite of the trials. In spite of the moldings. Say, Lord, flip this gold over again. Bring the hammer down again. If that's what it takes, Lord, flip it over again. Bring the hammer down again. As we heard on Wednesday night, till God can get in there and shave. Hallelujah. Oh, you say, well, praise God. And it is praise God. I don't drink and smoke anymore. I never did. Thank the Lord. That's his keeping power. You could say, I'm not an adulterer or fornicator. You know, Brother Branham says about 60% of sickness is caused by one thing. Did you know that? Surely that must be a horrible thing, right? It must be drugs or alcohol. Oh, it must be adultery. It must be fornication. It must be. It must be blaspheming the Holy Ghost. That's got to be it. Let me read it to you. He says, listen, I was telling the boys a while ago coming over, he says, I said about, we must be happy all the time. God don't want you to be sad. He said, you know what ill temper does? That old temper? It's one of the awfulest old things. About 60% of the cause of all sickness is temper. He says, when them tantrums and you fly loose, remember, you just developed a cancer, an ulcer, or something like that. When you do it, when you get all stewed up about somebody, remember what we said? We said, listen, what Brother Branham instructed us, don't let that bitterness take root. Get that out of you right quick. It'll drive the Holy Ghost from you. It opens the door to the devil. You just open the big old window that he's throwing mud at and said, hey, come on inside. There's room for you. Oh, God help us. He says, but when you get all stewed up about somebody and you won't, he says, I won't go back there no more. Wait till I give them peace in my mind. All right, remember, you're the one that's going to pay for it. Just keep happy. Hallelujah. He says, listen, because often we want to put it, and I want to say it this way, we want to put sin, we want to put God right here like a buddy. And we want to put sin way out there like some horrible disfigured creature that I wouldn't want anything to do with that. That's horrible, but God's my buddy. You know, he is a friend. This is closer than a brother. But we want to take it, we want to say, well, listen, that, that's just way out there. That's adultery. That's fornication. That's, that's, that's drinking. That's smoking. That's gambling. That's blaspheming. That's, oh, we want to put all kinds of horrible things in there, and that's sin. But here he says 60% of all sickness is caused by temper. Caused by something that's in you that all of a sudden just begins to rise up. And you, oh, I'm going to show that person. Oh, my. He says this, guilty of the least is guilty of the whole. This is really getting hard, Brother Andrew. Yeah. It's the message. He says, ever what you were, you are a sinner, and that's what you are. He says, and you're dead because you love the things of the world. And as long as you still love the world, no matter how much you confess to be up here, you're not up here. You're down here yet. He, he that loves the world or the things of the world, the love of God hasn't entered into him yet. What's that? What's the love of the world like that? It isn't out carousing all night long. It isn't out doing those things. But when you love that old temper, 
Yeah, you love that. Because you love it when somebody does something and you just put them in their place. And you just told them and they had nothing to say back to you. Woo, you told them. Careful. Careful you haven't opened the door to something you don't want. Listen, and we look at that, all the sisters look and say, yeah, brothers have an issue with that. Okay, okay. Because brothers tend to have more of an issue with that than sisters, I understand. Some sisters do, Zipporah did. All right, so it's in the scripture. Yeah. But listen, Jesus talked to Mary Magdalena. Brother Bam talks about her, said he cast out seven devils. And he says, listen, he says he cast seven devils out of her. He gives the name to him. He says, pride and envy. She thought, this is his words, she was so pretty that there was no one like her. Oh, my. Sin is way out there, Brother Andrew. No, this puts it right home now. That's what pride is. When you begin to look at yourself, nobody is like me. I'm better than them because I do this that's why Jesus talked about the Pharisee and the publican and he says the Pharisee got in there he says it was a spirit of pride he got up there and said Lord I thank you I'm not like this one that oh, does this and that and I don't out there I'm not out there doing this and that but I, oh my I'm not like my brother he wouldn't even call him brother he says publican and the publican got in there humble and spoke his chest oh God I'm not even worthy to pray not even worthy that I could come through the blood and come into your presence. I'm not even worthy that you gave me this lamb that I could sacrifice, that I could even pray that you would hear my prayers. Who am I, Lord? He says, I pray this morning that this word will lay so heavy. This is in Christianity versus idolatry. He says, I pray this morning that this word will lay heavy on you on the altar of every heart that till, till they'll never be able to get away from it and they'll come sane and sensibly to the gospel, believing the words and not open their hearts to demon powers. We say, of course. But then he, then, he, then, he, then he takes it a step farther. He says, this is his words. I had almost put this on the screen. He says, or sensations, or squeaking, whatever that is, or jumping, or some manifestation, some physical form, or something like that. Now I want to take a step back, and we're dealing with the new birth now. Wherever he says, Lord, let this be so real, Christianity versus idolatry. He says, till this sinks in so deep, and I'd encourage you to go listen to this tape if you get a chance this afternoon or this week, that this would become so real till you wouldn't be willing to accept a sensation as the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Till you wouldn't be able to accept shouting or squeaking, he says, as the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Till you wouldn't be able to accept, well, I got up here and I was jumping around, therefore I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. That ain't it. 
So you begin to some, some fleshly manifestation. We would go through other quotes where we talk about speaking in tongues and interpretations and try and take that as some kind of a manifestation of the Holy Ghost. It is the Holy Ghost coming out, but that falls on the just and on the unjust. But the new birth is a whole lot deeper level than that. He says in questions and answers, he says, when you rise above that to the heavenly things, when you set your affections on things above, because you are risen with Christ and are now seated in heavenly places, just rest assured, not a thing can harm you, not a thing. So when you've come on that ladder, the only way to get on that ladder is by the new birth. Because it's anchored in the corner, chief cornerstone that is anchored in Zion. It's right there. You've got to get into Christ, which by one spirit we're baptized into one body, which is Christ. We can only get on that ladder by the new birth. That's the bottom rung. It ain't knowledge. It ain't putting scripture together. It ain't born in a message church. It ain't coming to a message church. It ain't saying William Brown's a prophet. It ain't recognizing Malachi 4 has been revealed. It ain't recognizing that Revelation 10, 7 has been revealed. It's a new birth. Gets you on the ladder that's anchored into the throne of God. Hallelujah. And not a thing can harm you then. Not a thing. So of course not, Brother Andrew. I'm not worried. Someone could shoot me dead and they would just, I would go to heaven. It'd be great. Paul says, you know, I, I find myself between two hard things. You know, to live is Christ, to die is gain. I, I got this, this hard place. Yeah, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about when your brother or sister says something to you or about you. If you're on that ladder, it can't harm you. It ought to have, you ought to have the right attitude. You say, oh, but Brother Andrew, what about that one that's full of the Holy Ghost and he's gone completely insane? Yeah, that's a temporal place. Because if he's full of the Holy Ghost, God's obligated to that seed. And he'll bring his word to pass in that seed. Oh my, not a thing can harm you. You don't go up a ladder beside somebody. Any of you in construction, you ever tried that? You take that side of the ladder, I'll take this side of the ladder. I'll just kind of kind of hop up like this, and you kind of hop up like that. You're heading for a disaster real quick. So you can't look to the left or right. You say, well, my brother's doing this, so it's okay for me to do it. Maybe they're further down the ladder. Maybe you've come higher up the ladder. Let me take an example real quick. Landon, come here, buddy. Brother Brandon, would you come here? Thank you. If I stand here, thank you. Come stand right here. Face the people. Brother, come stand right here. Thank you. Now, I'm going to call this one God. Yeah, I set that up. How you doing, buddy? I knew you could take this. That's why I chose you. I'm going to call you the world. All right. Thank you. Amen. I'll be the individual. I'll be the worshiper. Now, I'm standing right in the middle. 
I'm of equal distance between the world and God. But now, if God takes a big step that way, take a big step that way, now who am I closer to? Yeah. Right? I'm not that far from God. I can still reach him. But yet I'm still closer to the world. But now if he takes a big step that way, see, now I'm, I'm back in the middle again over here. See, now they're both a little bit out of arm's reach if I'm trying to keep both. You can't serve God and mammon at the same time. But now if they both, if you go right to that wall and you go right to that wall for me, see, now when I come over here, see, I'm not in the middle anymore. But if I just take, take this perspective, I'm a long ways from the world. That's a carnal mind. But you see, I'm not doing that and I'm not doing this and I'm okay over here. But if I changed my perspective a little bit, I'd realize I'm a long ways from God. I'm a long ways away. And if I just look and realize I'm closer to this than I am to that, I need to change my location. Walk worthy that you'd be pleasing to the Lord, not pleasing to the world. It's not how close we can get over here. How close can we get? How short can our skirts get? How much can we do at? How, how big of a slick can we have? How much makeup can we really wear? Brother Max was preaching last Sunday, but what can I really get away with? No, but it's, Lord, how pleasing can I be? If it becomes rules and regulations, we're trying to walk back here in rules and regulations and saying, well, but I've come this far. And I look, Brother Max, I'm, I'm not standing there, and I'm not standing here, and I'm not standing here, so I'm okay. Brother Max, just turn around. You're not over there. Walk the right direction. Keep your eyes on things above. Set your affections. Thank you, Landon. Thank you, Brother Brandon. Keep your eyes on things above. Set your affections on heavenly things, not on things of the world. Amen. Keep your perspective right. Don't have your perspective towards the world, constantly looking at that, but have your perspective to God. Because I'm going to tell you, the further down the world gets, the more in sodomite, the more in debauchery, the more into all of these things the world gets, you can be right close to it and still seem a mile away from it. Because you I'm not homosexual. Yeah, that's pretty low. Our lives ought not to be kept. Oh, my. He says this, he says, even death itself, nothing can harm you. You've already anchored in Christ. The assurance, the earnest, the down payment's already been bought. You've accepted it. What did you do? You raised up with him in resurrection. How can you die when you've already raised up? Like we've preached about Lazarus when they said after Lazarus was raised from the dead and they said, we're going to kill him. He's like, go ahead. You want me dead? This guy, as long as he wants me alive, as long as Jesus wants me alive, you can't kill me. I went four days journey down into the underworld and you know what I found out? I can walk back out again because Jesus wants me alive. Praise be to God. If you raised up with him in his resurrection and you've accepted that and identified with it, as long as God wants you alive, as long as he's got a purpose for you, as long as he wants you to overcome, you cannot be defeated. Oh, praise be to God. 
He says, well, but look back where I once was. He says, oh, I'm above that. He says, by his grace, he lifted me up. But here now, seated in heavenly places in Christ, there you are when the Bible becomes a new book, when you're reading it through spiritual eyes with spiritual understanding. Oh, that's important. To read this Bible not through natural carnal eyes. When we begin to read certain things in here, and you can read, and you know, oh my, you can always tell. You start reading from the Song of Solomon, and you got some in the pew that, <laughs> oh my, where's your understanding? What are you looking through? When you start reading about circumcision, and someone's like, oh, that's funny. Where's your spiritual understanding? I'm talking about something that's a whole lot deeper. There's only five senses contacts this world. If you have no feeling, you couldn't feel nothing. Feeling wouldn't be nothing to you. He says that would be another world. If you had no sight, then you look, then you then you look at what you look at would be another world. There's there's nothing about it. See, he's talking about the five senses, and if if you had no sight, the sight wouldn't be anything to you. If a blind man came in here and you begin to say, Oh, look at Brother Andrew, he wears glasses, and he's going, Let me feel him. Because it means nothing to me that he wears glasses. I don't even know what glasses looks like. See, it doesn't mean anything to him. He says, but now there's another sense called faith. He says, but by faith you walk up a ladder and finally you can get so high until you break into another world, which is vision. There you can see, just like if you never knowed that, was, uh, that what this was you was feeling or a sense of sight, never seen it, with your eyes come open, you could see it. He says, it'd be all a mystery to the person who never seen it. It'd be a mystery to him. See, that's, yet that's it. See, he's talking about going up a ladder by faith, and he begins to express it. He says, when you rise up in faith, someone that doesn't have faith, to them they look at the things in the Scripture, and it doesn't make sense. Because they don't have the sense of faith. They can't understand what it's talking about because, and quite often, and I'll be honest with you, when, when you have people and their denominations have got so thick into the mess of it where they, where they want to try and scientifically prove the Bible. And that doesn't come from a, from a, a foundation of faith. That comes from a foundation of doubt. When you have to try and prove it because once it's fact, it no longer takes faith. But the brand would even talk about it and it says, well, at one point in time, they dug down where Jericho was and they didn't find any crumbled walls, so they said, see, the Bible's false. The next guy come along, dug a few more shovelfuls down, and they found some crumbled walls. Oh, the Bible's true. See, it comes from a foundation of doubt. But when it comes from a foundation of faith, it, 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 all things are possible to them that believe that have faith. And he says, you climb up this ladder by faith until finally you get so high, you begin to see visions. You begin to see things that are far off. People begin to see things by vision or by dream, and God begins to show them things because they have faith to believe the things that God is showing them. God is not wasteful. He does not show people things that don't have faith to believe it. Amen. He says, you know, talking about, someone told him, he said, you know what you ought to do? He said, people believe you to be a prophet. He says, you ought to be teaching these women how to get gifts of prophecy and all these things, teaching them to be higher things instead of little things. And I said, how can I teach them algebra when they won't learn their ABCs? 
When you won't even do the common thing, see the natural thing, see how you get, tell them to get so high, all these high things. He says, when you won't even start, you won't even, you, you want to get on the top of the ladder before you hit the first. That's the reason you fall. Oh my. It's not a good idea. You don't take a running start and jump as high as you can and grab the ladder. You'll cause it to fall. And you'll fall off. Well, this is, you start at the bottom wrong. You've got to start down. You must be born again. You can't see. You can't understand. You can't enter into the kingdom of heaven except you be born again. When you start there, then you can go into higher things. He says, then when you're climbing up that ladder, then you begin to come into a realm by faith of visions. And God begins to show you things. He says, listen, you want divine healing? Climb up that ladder in many places. And he says, God's store, God or getting into Christ is like a great big variety store. Hallelujah. When you get into Christ, you've entered the most well-stocked variety store you've ever been in. Because when you go to the aisle that says joy, you don't go there and find an empty shelf. The trouble is the shelf is often a little too high. And you got people down there trying to grasp at it, trying to reach at it, trying to do it by their own ability. But God says, listen, there's a stepladder over in the corner, and this isn't Home Depot. There isn't signs on it that says, for employee use only. <laughs> no, sir, this is take it and use it as you need it. There's a stepladder here for you to be able to get up and reach your healing, for you to be able to get up and reach your joy, for you to be able to get up and reach your peace, because it's on a shelf. God doesn't just put the things down here. He puts milk down here. Oh, that's good. That's good. For the babies in Christ. So they can reach the little things that they need. They can reach a little bit. They put a little bit of joy in there, but formula doesn't last very long. He doesn't have no formula. It's the spirit. Amen. All right, I'm off topic there. I need to pull back. I said I was trying to teach, and now I'm getting into preaching. God bless your heart. You're pulling. He says, now think how that God, he says, begin at the bottom. Climb right on up as God leads you up. Think about it. As God leaves you up, leads you up, cope your life and every fellow, every bit of the word of God has ordained for you to do. In other words, listen, whatever God's ordained for you to see, whatever he's revealed to you, cope your life around that. Live that and God will lead you higher. Now think, and we read that scripture, let no man think higher of himself than he ought to think. He says, now think how that God, we ought to behave ourselves and act like Christians. Our conduct should be like Christians because we are aliens here. This is not our home. We're just put here temporarily. Oh my. All right, we're going to, you still with me? Amen. Amen. I see you are, so we're going to jump ahead. It's all right, buddy. I won't preach too much longer. I know. God bless you. It says now, in Christ is the Mystery, paragraph 230, it says now, the Christ in the church is just being made known. 
The whole thing is the revelation of God to take Eve back to her right position again with her husband. Notice, and God is the husband of the church, and the church is his bride. He says, now Peter, when he called, said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, now watch. He said, blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, which says, which means son of Jonah. See, blessed art thou, for flesh and blood never revealed this to you. In other words, you couldn't reach this high. He says, you never learned it from a school, but my Father which is in heaven has revealed it to you. Or he lifted you up so you could see something a little higher than you previously could see. And he says this, he says, and upon this rock, he stops there. And he says, that's Peter. Oh my, it gets quiet. That almost sounds Catholic. But he says, upon this rock, that's Peter. The predestinated seed of God that had received this light and given the keys to the kingdom. (laughs) Upon this rock of revelation of who Jesus Christ is, he's the full manifested God. Upon this rock, not Father, Son, Holy Ghost, or him being some second person. Upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell can't shake it down, never prevail against it. I'll build my church upon this rock, a revelation of Jesus Christ. So why does he bring Peter into the picture? Because he shows and he says, it's not just a revelation I'm building my church on. It's not just a revealing that in the days of the fullness of time when he should come, when when all of these things should be revealed, I'm just going to build it on that. On a thought, on an idea, on an ideology, on a creed, on some dogma. I'm not going to build it on that. I'm not building it on just the, 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 the knowledge of who Jesus is. He says, but he brings into it the predestinated seed. And he says, a revelation is when that revelation comes to a predestinated seed and lives in him. That's what I'm building my church on. He says, look, in the next one, he says, Christ in you makes him the center of life of the revelation. Christ in you makes him the center of life of the revelation. You have to read it very slowly to understand exactly what he's talking about. That it's not a dead revelation. It's not a dead book. But Christ in you makes that book live. And he says, in Christ's life in you makes him the center of the revelation. Christ in the Bible makes the Bible the complete revelation of Christ. But Christ in you makes you the complete revelation of the whole thing. (laughs) Hallelujah. That Christ in you makes you. Oh. That makes me have to go back over here to Colossians for a minute. Where it begins to talk about this. And he begins to say, and he begins to say, listen, and you, verse 21, that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. Oh, then he's got a conjunction word on the next paragraph. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope 
of the gospel which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven. Christ in you is the complete revelation of the whole thing. That's what it was always meant to be. This Bible wasn't just to look at it and say, well, listen, David had David's time, and then Solomon had Solomon's time, and there was Moses and Moses' time, and we got Paul and Paul's time, but rather it was to take the book and eat the book so that it would no longer just be looking at it and say, well, this part pertains to, to, to John, and this part pertains to this person, and this one pertains to that person, but rather every last word of it is Christ. And if every last word of it is Christ and Christ is in me, then that means this must also be in me. Every last word of it. Oh, hallelujah. See, well, Brother Andrew, I don't understand every last word of it. Good. But do you believe every last word of it? Do you live every last word of it? So I don't know every last word of it, but I live all that he's ordained for me. All the revelation he's given me, I'm living it. Hallelujah. He says, what is the new birth then? Well, you say, Brother Branham, it's the new, what, is it, what is the new birth? It's the revel, revelation of Jesus Christ personally to you. We love that quote. We love that scripture. We love how that makes it so real. But what does that mean? You've got to back up to the previous paragraph again where he says, it's Christ is the life of the revelation. It's got to be alive in the individual. It's not about what you can explain. It's not about what you can begin to tell everybody in the great deep revelation and how you can tell them, I was raised in a message church. Praise be to God. My dad was a pastor for years and years, and now he's a missionary, travels the world, got a worldwide ministry. Bless the Lord. And now I'm a preacher. Let me tell you, brother, God sent a prophet in this day. According to Revelations 10, 7, my all the mysteries of God will be revealed. I'm going to tell you, Malachi 4, verse 5 and 6, he turned the hearts of the children back to the faith of the fathers. And we're just going to have a wonderful time. Which one of you was delivered in that? Come on. That was like the greatest revelation of this age. You should be jumping on your feet, delivering just, woo, brother Andrew. Because that ain't it. It's Christ is the life. It's got to be Christ in the individual. If this message didn't lead you back to Christ, you missed it. If it didn't lead you to the life of Jesus living in the individual where it becomes Lord, how could I be pleasing to you? Because he said, I do nothing but what the Father shows me first. He lived his whole life pleasing to God. It wasn't about how close he could get to the world. He looked around to the world. He said, you hypocrites. Oh, my. Lord, don't let me. Not you joined the church. You shook a hand. You done something different. You said a creed. You promised to live by a code of rules. But Christ, the Bible, he's the word that was revealed to you. No matter what anybody says, what takes place, it's Christ, pastor, priest, whatever it might be. It's Christ in you. That is the revelation that the church was built upon. What? Christ in you. The hope of glory.
well. Brother Branham, I'm a, I'm a Lutheran. I'm a message believer. I'm an anti message tabernacian. I'm an Elwa. I'm a manifested word. I'm a restored word. Oh, I go to Living Word. I go to Cloverdale Bible Way. I go to whatever church you want to put in there. It's all the same spirit in those churches anyways. That don't mean one thing. That much to God. What is it? It's Christ being revealed. He is the Word. And when the Word is revealed, listen, it expresses itself. No, no. I didn't say you express it. It expresses itself. Hallelujah. That when others can see and you don't have to look at them and you don't have to sit down with somebody and say, listen, according to the scripture, you need to call me brother. But rather there's something in me, a spirit in me, and a spirit in you. I said, Brother Mark, that's my brother. It's the word expressing himself. And don't trust me. I've been around people that are in the message that you're like, I don't know if I want to call you brother. I just don't know. The spirit in me is not the same spirit here, and I really want it to be the same spirit, so I'm still going to shake your hand and say, God be with you. And it's hard to do that because you, you want to love them. You want to put your arms around it. You want to call them brother and sister, but there's got to be something the word of God has to begin to express itself through the individual. I know this quote's going through some of your minds right now. Brother Andrew, Brother Branham says, if you can't sit with that brother, and at the end of your conversation, call him brother, you need to get to the altar. Uh Uh-huh. It also says, don't eat with adulterers and fornicators. Because what is it? Live your life worthy of the gospel. I'm I'm beginning to explain something to you to tell you this is not play around time. This is not a everybody's wonderful time. And oh, praise be to God. They're, they're, They're doing okay. They're doing the best they can. Listen, sin needs to be dealt with. Sin isn't welcome in the church. I'm not talking about just in these four walls. I'm talking about gathered in and saying, you're one of us. But the brother says, listen, there'll be some come among you that, that they'll seem like your brother and sister and the devil will let them come in and then the devil will shoot them full of a poison dart. And they'll begin to cause discord. They'll begin to say things. They'll begin to do all kinds of things. But what does he tell you to do? He says, pray for them. Amen. He says, if you pray for them and you create a godly atmosphere, they'll either get out or they will become one of you. 
And that's what we're looking for. That's what we want. Even if someone come in and get full poison dart and they want to say all kinds of things and, oh my, gossip, gossip, and all these things. Hey, listen, pray for that person. Don't let a root of bitterness spring up. Pray for them and say, Lord, with them back. Whatever's gotten into them, Lord, there's still a bomb in Gilead. Let your word come into their lives and manifest itself through them as it does through me, Lord. They might not be on the same rung that I'm on on this ladder, but Lord, help them to climb a little higher and see what they're doing. Oh my, he says, what is it? It's Christ, it expresses itself. That's God's purpose for Jesus Christ was to express himself, to take his own laws and live by his laws and to fulfill his laws by death. That Christ, God died in the flesh in order to condemn sin in the flesh that he might bring to himself a glorious bride and redeem back that we will believe only the word of God and not swap it like Eve did for intellectual conceptions of man. You see, that's Christ's idea. That's God's idea. The new birth reveals this. Oh my the new birth reveals this. What comes through the new birth? Just give me five more minutes. Will you give me five more minutes? I'm sorry, I'm over time, and I, I don't mean to take this time. But he says this. He says, what did it bring? The, the new birth brings to you the token life. Because the Holy Spirit in you is the token. And it brings the token life. So not just sanctified life by the blood. Though the blood still sanctifies you even after you're born again. Because you're still in these unredeemed bodies. You still need the blood of Jesus Christ. But listen, he says, if Jesus, in the message of token, if Jesus don't come for 10,000 years and you have the token, he's still got to honor it. No matter how many things changes and whatever more, if you, if he's got to honor that token, he said he would, all right, he expects us now to display his token over our God-given faith. To what? To every unbelieving cult in the nation and in the world that believes that signs and wonders don't follow the believers. What should we do to them? Display the token. And be true to this token. It shows that the fare has been paid and we've been accepted for the resurrection having the token life inside of us. Hallelujah. That even if God doesn't come for 10,000 years and you got all kinds of naysayers. I've met them. I'm sure you met them too. That, oh my, it doesn't happen anymore. There's no more speaking in tongues. There's no more healing. There's no more uh, pouring out of the gifts. There's no more real Holy Spirit. There's no more new birth. But I can raise my hand and say, yes, there is. Because my life has been changed. And I'm willing to display that token like Rahab did, that regardless of what everyone said, regardless of how long it took for them to get there, it didn't matter to her. She displayed the token anyways and said, anyone get in this roof and you'll be saved. Come in under the token. Oh my. It takes the conflict out of your soul and puts Christ on display to every unbeliever. The word living within you expresses itself through your actions, through your words, through your thoughts, through your dress, through your mannerisms. Now I'm going to say this. This doesn't make it a free-for-all. When the children of Israel crossed over Jordan, the first thing that, that Joshua did is said, circumcise everyone. Oh my. He didn't just cross them over and say, all right, go get your land. 
No, he had a Holy Ghost ministry that was there to place them positionally in the promised land. And they had to stay with the body until the battle was over. And so is it with us. And just because we've got the Holy Ghost and we've got the new birth, it doesn't make it a free-for-all. I feed on whatever I want. I go wherever I want. God's put you in a church under a pastor, under a ministry with the Holy Ghost to place you positionally until the battle is over. Oh, praise be to God. Praise be to God. Oh, my. Joshua, a type of Christ. Oh, my. Even when they took Jericho, and there was that token there. If you read in the scripture, Brother Bram talks about the message of token. I'm not going to read it for the sake of time. But where Joshua didn't go down to Rahab. Joshua sent messengers. Joshua sent the man that had gone there before to go and get Rahab out again. Hallelujah. Wasn't that God himself comes down and begins to speak, even though his Holy Ghost will come and speak individually to each and every one of you and make himself real to you, you might never hear an audible voice. You might never catch anything outside of a church service. That's okay because God has ordained a ministry so that you could come to perfection. And that ministry is a fivefold ministry. Praise be to God. Hey, it just so happens to be there's five of us here now. That ain't a doctrine. I'm just putting that out there. But bless the Lord, you've got a fivefold ministry for a purpose to bring you to perfection. Not by our own ideas, but that we preach Christ like Paul preached Christ so that you could come to that place. Don't get out on your own and say, well, I'm close enough to God. I could just do this on my own. I could just do that on my own. God forbid! You need a pastor. A token life takes the church from just being church to fellowship in heavenly places. The token life changes that attitude. Well, I got to go to church. It takes it to being, oh, I need fellowship with God. It takes it from being an obligation to being a privilege. From something you need a break from to something you can't take a break from. That's what the token will do to you. The point where you can't wait till the church doors are closed. To the point where you can't wait till they're open. <laughs> Hallelujah. Sorry, that's my five minutes. Will you give me two more? I'm just keeping you in it, that's all. Giving you a part to play. Making you feel like you're giving it all. (laughs) Bless the Lord. It stops you from looking at the world through carnal eyes. It changes your perspective to a spiritual perspective. It becomes a new book. It's no longer words on a page, but truth preached over the pulpit, but it's a lived out revelation dripping with the blood of the mercies of God. The token is the word identified in you. Living itself out, that's God being his own interpreter. I just have to... All right, we'll close on this quote. The musicians, they want to slowly make their way up. It says, but the revelation come through the blood. Christ is the mystery God revealed. That's a statement, direct quote. But the revelation of Christ in you comes through the blood. That's why when we preach, we say, you come through justification, you come through sanctification, you come through water baptism, you get baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that makes you candidate to receive the Holy Ghost. Stay there and, and, and believe and have faith until God recognizes your faith. 
because it's that blood that's sanctifying you at that time that that revelation will come through. If you get out from under the blood, that revelation will never come. He says this, who is the blood of God creative? He says, through Jesus Christ, who is the blood of God creative blood in the womb of Mary? And Paul knew him. By revelation, we could stop and preach on that just for hours, but it says, but now we know him today. That's how we know him today is, on, that's the, is the only way you could know him, by revelation. Not saying I'm this or I'm that or I belong to this church or that one or I believe God this, I, 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 that. No, but you got to know him by revelation. It says, but by revelation that God has revealed the word to you. He is the word. And the word, how you know it's revealed, it lives itself. Catch that statement. How do you know it's revealed? It lives itself and expresses itself through you. Don't be conformed, as we read in Romans 12, don't be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to the popular religious thinking. Don't be conformed to the sympathy of Laodicea. Don't be conformed to the ideology of God's love is he just loves everybody. He loves his word. He put his word in you so he could express himself in a greater way through a bride because he laid in Zion the chief cornerstone and he anchored his ladder to glory right there. Oh, praise be to God. There's so much. There we go. Very familiar quote to us all. It says, but he, as he is, as he, being the groom, the bride has to come forth because it's part of him. And it can only be the manifestation of the fulfilling of all the revelations any others has spoke of the bride. That's all she can be. She can't be that plus. No, Esther recognized, I just need what the king likes. All, all these other women, they took on all of the extra things that they thought, this will be attractive to a man, that'll be attractive to a man, that'll be attractive to the king, I'm sure he'll like this, I'm sure he'll like that. Oh my, we can, oh boy. But Esther, she just recognized just what the Chamberlain said. He's got the inside track. We want to look at this message and we want to say just what the message said. He's got the inside tract. He knows what the bridegroom wants. He says, listen, he says, it can only manifest. If it does something different from the groom, it isn't the bride. Oh, man. Because she is flesh of his flesh, bone of his bone, life of his life, power of his power. She is him. As man and woman are one, the woman takes from his, taken from his side, she has taken a spirit, a feminine spirit, from him. And flesh from his side, both mechanics and dynamics, the wife, the spirit of him, the flesh of him, put it together, made mechanics and dynamics. Oh my, the whole picture, Christ in you, is the complete revelation of the whole thing. 
Oh, don't you love him? Why don't we stand to our feet? Forgive me, I, I, not that I took so long, I, I could take a whole lot longer, but I feel like I just didn't get all of it across, but we'll maybe pick it up another time, but how good God is. Help us to walk worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not ashamed. We're not ashamed of the gospel. We're not ashamed of this token. We're not ashamed of it. You know, I used to major so much, and you know, don't cast your pearls before swine. And that, that scripture would always haunt me, you know, and I'd be at work and playing a message, someone would come in and I'd quickly press pause. I realized, Lord, what am I doing? Am I ashamed of the token? Am I ashamed of this message? Lord, I'm just going to keep it play. I'm just going to let it go. And I've had lots of people come and, and what are you listening to? <laughs> I'm listening to the message. Praise the Lord. Okay, well, that's kind of strange. I never heard that. The other day I was listening to, I had our podcast turned on, our specials. All our, our song specials and sisters were singing and brothers and oh my, I was just rejoicing and it was, it was a whole bunch of tin bashers were on site, and everyone was there. Sorry, tin workers. I apologize if that's slang, bashers. <laughs> that's high work in construction. But they, they were there, and, and they were all working, and nobody had a radio on. So I'm like, this is awesome. So I put my phone on, put the message, the, the, the song specials on from the church, and I put it in my pocket. And after a while, it changed the atmosphere there. Wherever I was, the guy stopped swearing. They stopped going on. They just worked quietly. Finally, one of them came to me and said, what are you listening to? Is that like gospel music? I said, yeah. He says, I've never met anyone in the trades that listens to gospel music. I said, well, then you never met my people then. <laughs> there ain't nothing else for me. I just love to hear real good Holy Ghost singing. Amen. Amen. Why don't we just sing a, a, a real simple chorus together? I love him, I love him because he first loved me. Oh, I love him. Come that real softly together. We bow our heads. Mm -hmm. Every head bowed and every eye closed. We just hum that to the Lord and just let Him know how much you appreciate Him. Jesus, 
We love you so much, Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for the word this morning. Lord, forgive me if I just broke it up a little bit too much. But Lord God, I pray for everyone here, Lord. You take every root of bitterness, Lord. Take every bit of malice, every bit of poison the devil has tried to inject, has tried to put in, Lord, tried to break apart. Father, may the Holy Spirit, the balm of Gilead, be available this afternoon, this morning, Lord, for you to come in, Lord, and just begin to work in our lives, Lord. Just begin, Lord Jesus, to soothe over the troubles in our spirit, Lord, the things that the devil has desired to to, to cause us strife in our minds and work us up, Lord Jesus. But, oh God, let the sweetness of your Holy Spirit bathe over us, Lord Jesus. Oh God, that you would just take all our troubles, all our anguishes, all our trials, Lord. You'll make it a blessing, Father. Lord, we just want to lay ourselves at your feet, Lord. We just want to ask that you, oh God, forgive us, Lord, where we've tried to manifest, where we've tried to work up, where we've tried to manufacture. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. Lord, that you could just maybe come and manifest yourself. Lord, live yourself through us, Lord. May we be so humble, oh God, so surrendered to you, Lord Jesus, that you would be in control of our lives, Lord, that you would begin to manifest the word of God through each individual, through every believer, Lord God, that as they sit under the sound of the ministry, Lord Jesus, not me, but the fivefold ministry that's here, Lord, to preach the word of God. Lord, may you just make it real to our hearts. Bring us into perfection, we pray. Forgive us where we failed you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the visitors that have come in our midst, Lord, and been such a blessing this morning. Each one that's here, Lord, Father, may you just have your wonderful way. Lord, it pleased you that in Christ would all the fullness dwell. And it pleased you that all that was in Christ, you'd pour into a many-membered body. And Lord, we thank you for that. We ask, Lord, you go with us this afternoon. Remember us. Bring us back home safe. Lord, bring us back to church again tonight to hear the word. Lord, may each one come, Lord. May it not just be an excuse to stay home on a Sunday night, but Lord, we want to come in your presence again. We love your appearing, Lord. Lord, sometimes it's a, it's a horrible thing, Lord Jesus. It's terrifying, Lord. It's dreadful. But Father, we need it. We need it bathed over us, Lord. We need the cleaning out. We need the scouring. We need to surrender, oh God. Just let you have your way. We commit each to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We will just change the order a little bit before we're dismissed. Isn't he wonderful, wonderful? Isn't he wonderful, wonderful, wonderful? Isn't Jesus my Lord?